Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 25-10. This is the end of season 25 of Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And we're coming for you, Simpsons. <laughs> we're going to have more seasons in The Simpsons. I don't know. Um, every week we listen to great video game music from the past, from the present, from all consoles, from all generations. We pick a topic... We find guests, we listen to the music, and then we grab some dinner, and we do it again next week. That's what we That's do on the right. show. Sometimes with the dinner from the previous week. Hey, Pernell, how you doing in control? Have you got? Have you, how far have you gotten, man? Honestly, I don't even know what constitutes as far, but I play bits and pieces. I haven't even gotten the ability to levitate yet. Uh, so. that's but I am launching stuff. Good. And I got a little concerned when people were commenting and saying, like, there's very little enemy variety at first. But then I started thinking, and I was like, I loved Alan Wake to death. And that game had all of, like, three or four enemy types. Yeah, it's so you're going to fight, like, the, you're going to fight guards that have some similar abilities to you. That's about it. But, I mean, you know what? They gave me a hard time. <laughs> Maybe they'll give yeah, me a hard time. And as long as the game works, I mean, mm. it works. Like, Alan Wake, you fought lumberjacks and b- bikers and all kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, they were, they were just people that were covered in shadows that needed flashlighting. So, I mean, it didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. But the dialogue they had, the story, and the atmosphere made it all worthwhile. And yeah. I'm expecting that from Control. Too. Yeah, yeah I'm, glad, I'm glad you're enjoying it. It's just so rare that you're playing a game that I've finished or played. So I know it's an oddity, but that's why I got to make it work. It's like you know, mm-hmm. I can play a game and say, "Rob, I got attacked by a freaking floppy disk, and that was strange." All right, so let's talk about it. I'm playing Persona Ooh. Five. I'm at the I'm at the the end of the the palace, right? And there's a thing you can do that kind of kicks off the final run of the palace to do the boss fight. But I still had okay. 15 days in the real world where I can, like, you know, work my job and, and, and you know, go to a batting cage and eat hamburgers and go to school. You can, you know, you can technically do that. But, but. Finish it, the palace. And go, oh, so, because I was like, so I did, I was like, oh, I'll send the calling card and then I'll go do the boss and I'll have time in between that because I want to make one final run through the palace to collect any treasure chests that I might have missed. And, um. Uh-huh. And so it started doing it, and I was like, okay, here we go. This is it. Everyone, we're going to fight the boss. And I was like, wait a minute. No, I have like 15 days. I got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> There's no time There's a to convenience save. store that needs me. That's right. Uh, Bag those chips. Um, so, yeah, so that's me discovering Persona 5 for the first time. Um, it's a fantastic game. It's, honestly, I still recommend the people. Haters be damned. Yeah, haters, who are you? And, and and we like you. Keep listening. Anyway, on the that show on the show this week, we also have Wait, 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 wait. Don't what? do that what? yet. What? Because what? there's a lead in. There's a valuable that's proper lead in for this. Alright, you know what? I'm gonna sip my tea. And this is very gonna, this is very I'm gonna let you take over. Alright. This is very appropriate for this for the scope of who this is, too, but so as we all know, I'm typically quite the fan of obscure games, and this guy is drinking some very loud brew. <laughs> I'm a big fan of obscure titles and like games that I uh, generally expect a lot of people to have not heard of, you thirsty bastard. <laughs> but, but honestly, you wouldn't expect it, but I actually know people who played far more obscure games than I have in such a way that they may even host their own obscure games music group. In this case, it's a friend 
and also a fellow co-podcaster um, on the SML podcast, we have Chris Taylor on the show. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Chris, Chris, thank <laughs> you so for nice joining us. so nice to be us. talking. I'm sorry? Thanks for joining us. I'll stop interrupting oh. you. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's fantastic to be in a second podcast with Purnell. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You guys said you had, you had not talked to each other before. No, oh, you said oh. in person. Oh, in you person. said in person. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've been we've been on the SML podcast together for years now. Mm. Yeah, so and that's why but, it was always yeah. funny. Like we would be on the show together, and we we were hanging out and chatting on there for years. And then one day, I discovered he also ran this group I've been in for months. I was like, wait a minute, that's very odd, not expected. Yeah, I joined the group because of you, and I'm like, oh, this is great. This is like, you know, just awesome music of stuff I've never heard of before. Just. You know, just every day, every week, it's fantastic. So, Chris, how did you get interested in this niche little world that Pernell and I are in love with? <laughs> well, um, I've always been into, like, you know, just... I think it's because, like, when I grew up with the NES, um, my grandmother was, like, accidentally a total badass when it came to video game selection for her grandkids to play when they're over at her house. Nice. So, you know, like I had like the typical, you know, um, Legend of Zelda, Ninja Gaiden, Mario things to play at home. But um, like she had Journey to Silius and what? um, Yeah. And like, I think she bought me Metal Storm at one point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know she bought me Metal Storm at some point because I had Metal Storm. But I'm saying like, um, I don't know that she knew anything about games. As far as I knew, the only one that she ever played was Jack Nicholas's 18 Holes of Professional Golf. <laughs> that <laughs> that means right that's in the, the metal storm, right? That's like that's like in it's somewhere mashed together on the on the on the art box, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, wait a minute. I'm gonna get this right. Um, I mean, metal usually was the sequel. Oh, I missed a word. I missed a word. Jack Nicholas's eight. Uh, sorry, Jack Nicholas's. <laughs> Greatest 18 holes of major championship golf. That is the, one long title, and I'm surprised it fit on the cover. That that leads me to believe that it's like it's a hole from every course that he's played on. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's an anthology. Knowing nothing about Jack Nicholas, I mean, I have to assume a Jack Nicholas's that, that dream exactly course what it is. is what it is. It's it's oh, Kirby. So now, see, don't don't tease me. I would play that. It's I would play that Kirby with great zest. That evil Kirby it, that he fights against Nega Kirby and Jack Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> he absorbs it's actually, Jack. It's not a bad game at all. It was put out by Konami, I think. Well, oh, I mean, they probably had great music, man. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> it's like actually, it was just birds chirping. <laughs> occasional it could crowd. have been. Sometimes they would do that. Like it, you know, it'd be a Konami game, but like. The, barely any soundtrack and I'm like what is this nonsense because <laughs> sometimes they would just like you know publish or something I don't know well, I, I gotta I say that... though one thing I just wanted to bring because it just came to mind you mentioned how it was your, in your case it was your grandmother who did this but like I love hearing people's stories of like random adults in their lives that brought games to them that weren't their parents because normally it's you know mom and dad brought games in the house and as such in my case I had my uncle and then the neighbor who made ice cream, which is his own story. But um, we need that so, story later, by the way. <laughs> oh, I have no problem sharing. It's probably one of my favorite childhood stories. But um, so it's also it's awesome hearing you say, you know, she just happened to bring me a metal storm and say, here, play this one and hang out in the house. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
funny enough, at one point, uh, when I was like old enough, it was like, okay, um, we'll let you pick a pick your own game. Let's go to Walmart, and you know, we go there, and I'm looking at all the covers of the games, and <laughs> you know, even though, like I said, my grandmother like had had picked out all of these great games for me and stuff. Uh, the game I picked out for myself was freaking Dragon's Lair. <laughs> <laughs> on the you, NES you tried that's what happens man like as kids like we, we see like um, uh, uh, games based off of like movies and we're like well the movie was really cool and R rated so maybe the game's gonna be cool and R rated Dragon's Lair yeah, was, just... was had awesome animation I saw that in the arcade maybe that's gonna be cool on the NES and then it never is it never or yeah, was I, I really think it was just like I saw a dragon and the guy with a sword, and I was like, that's good enough. Yeah. They look like they're in some sort of lair. Yeah. I like lairs. <laughs> There's a lair involved. <laughs> well, um, and it just kind of spiraled from there, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, it. that was just like, that's what I remembered being like, you know, when I make my own decisions when it comes to NES games, like buying them sight unseen, mm-hmm. then, you know, yeah, I make terrible mistakes. Whereas, like I said, uh, the games that were already there like were so much better so yeah i grew up with like obscure games already like that and i was always really into the music um i also two games that i remember um we bought and this was my mom that bought these we went to kb toy or one of those places that sold nes games back no it was kb toys because that store was the most hopping bad ass game store in town all right. Well, it must have been that then. Pernell worked at Toys for a long time. Just let you. Know. Oh, okay. All right, right a long time, now. maybe a little, a short time. Uh, okay. It was a while. A significant portion maybe of life. A short time in the universal scale. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we picked out two budget games, and they both really stuck with me musically, and that was Snake Rattle and Roll, Ooh. Ooh, and Des- Destination Earth Star. Which is Gary Kitchen's Battle Tank, but in space. Awesome. See, already, we haven't even picked tracks yet. You've already hit named a game I've never heard of. <laughs> well, we should let our and listeners know. And I had yeah. it as a kid. Oh, man. We should <laughs> let our listeners know that our topic this week is not just obscure games. It's obscure music from obscure games. Yeah. Um, with obscure people. <laughs> so games you haven't heard of with music from the, the games that the games haven't heard of. Right? Oh, okay. No, I have no idea. (laughs) The games are unaware of this music. It's like, wow, Um, unused track four? I had no idea. (laughs) But um, I may have gone too back, far too back with my history of how I started a Facebook group. But anyway, so like, and as a teenager, I I had a Sony handheld mini tape recorder. Yeah. um, Like one of those that Norm MacDonald would make notes to himself on. Literally, it's why I bought it. was to do that gag lick and yeah and uh i remember i recorded uh music from metal storm so i could just listen to it and um i also recorded music from roland's curse on the game boy mm. yes yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like well the only people i know that heard of roland's curse man i had roland's yeah. curse Exactly, we're a trifecta of Roland's Cursed. For a lot of people uh, who are video game music podcasters and who are super interested in video game music, that's that's a very typical story where like as a kid or as a teenager, we would record music from like an NES or from a Genesis or from a Game Boy so we could listen to it like later on or just on its own. And then in the future, in the car, you know. 
like my high school best friend and I were in a like we was we were in, we were sitting like in math class in the back singing the gum the gum on sixty four theme song. Yes. Like, gum, but it's so good. And people were like, "What the hell's wrong with us?" I was like, "Oh, they're the nerds. Don't worry about them." <laughs> I love that song, by the way. It's I so really love it. Good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, it was always like that, and I was always, like, lear- trying to learn video game music on instruments, and then, you know, sometime in my 20s, finally found other people and started a video game band, and it was around that time that I was, like, really, uh, diving into YouTube and going down rabbit holes trying to find obscure stuff, and also I had, like, that's when I started doing, um, like, downloading NSF, uh, mm-hmm. players and SPC players, and, like, mostly to try and figure out how to, um separate the parts so I could learn them Mm -hmm. but then it became like this thing where I was just like diving through lists of games and I even modded uh, two different mp3 players to play that stuff and so I it just became this thing where like anytime I had a spare moment I was looking up like soundtracks and listening to them sight unseen Mm -hmm. and yeah I discovered so many things that kind of like became this baseline for like uh, my tastes and now it's kind of like 90% of what I listen to nowadays is just video game music and like you know 10% is music that my friends have made that's awesome like yeah I don't think I bought a current like music CD in like at least five years <laughs> well let's say this then so let's say you need to travel across the country or something like that you know gotta get in the car eight nine ten hours what what's what's your go-to what's going to be on your driving mix um okay so that is always like uh it tends to be a spur of the moment thing especially since i now have like spotify and like youtube works on my phone i have the premium so i can listen to it in sleep mode um so like i like to go through playlists and do that stuff but there's some things that i've done before such as uh on the last, I think in 2016, I had to uh, drive to Magfest by myself. Um, Ooh, now that's a trek for you. Yeah, from the middle of Texas, so it was about a 26-hour drive. Um, one of those hours was spent entirely only listening to uh, Magician Lord Stage Two on repeat. <laughs> I honestly love when that happens, and it's hard to say like. Have you ever had the desire to do that? But if you have someone else in the car, you're like, well, I can't subject them to this. But when you're alone, you're like, yeah, loop, like, oh, loop, that's loop. right. Battletoads pause music for two hours. That's what's <laughs> happening right here. I mean, you know, like all people have all kinds of stuff. Um, but yeah, usually I will take like an entire video game soundtrack and just listen to the whole thing. Um I actually, and funny enough, you know, I, I brought a Matt Furness song. I like to listen to Matt Furness soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Pugsy, Wiz and Liz, uh, Bo- uh, Boogerman is my favorite. And yeah, I'll throw one of those on. Um, Alberto Gonzalez, yes. another favorite composer to just like hit play at the start of a playlist and just listen to all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself listening to uh, Magician a lot from uh, Neil Baldwin. And Japanese composers, too. <laughs> I guess they're not all European. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Neil Baldwin, Matt Furness, like Tim Fallon, we're hitting we're, there's the heavy hitters right there. And, and, and Jose, about the, yeah. uh, Joe McAlbee, like they're just all like the yeah. right up there. Um, but let's, let's start. Let's, and with Parnell, like, I listen to stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Pro listens to things. It's either going to be circus just... music or heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Or circus metal. Circus metal. All right. So let's get into some tunes. 
Um, so we asked you to bring some of your favorite um, obscure tracks or some just some interesting stuff to share with us. Uh, Pernell yeah. and I also dug deep and found some interesting stuff. Um, I dug deep cool. into my my history of um, when I worked in arcades back in like in the late '90s, early 2000s. So we got some I interesting think it's music. Honestly, I think it's funny because I think we all came at this from different ways. Yeah. Like I honestly intentionally looked for like obscure but fairly recent games because I wanted it to be like. You can play this right now, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I recognize so. two of the games that you chose from. So, but you, but you, you picked. We, we all picked more music than was necessary for the show. So we can we can, <laughs> we can figure this out. Um, all right. So, Chris, what's the first track you want to go with? Okay. Um, this is uh, Daffy Duck in Hollywood. I'm guessing. All right. Yeah. This okay, is- cool, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what order. <laughs> you um, win! I, mean, I should have checked the notes. That's okay. It's just uh, you can go back and, and, and even pick new <laughs> stuff and be like, you can, we can, we're going to play Barbie's Dreamhouse Adventure. Yeah. There's some somehow music act, we though, have actually. that. Yeah. Um, so I'm brought da- – are we going to listen to it or are we going to talk about it first? Well, let's introduce it. This is the menu and level select music from Daffy Duck in Hollywood composed by Matt Furness. But this is the Sega Master System arrangement, um, which yes. I didn't know existed. So I'm really excited to have this on this show. Here we go. listening to menu and level select music from the game Daffy Duck in Hollywood for the Sega Master yeah. System composed by Matt Furness. Oh, it's so good. I love this it's song. It's on fire! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the reason I picked that one, besides the fact that, of course, it's great, uh, is that Matt Furness himself uh, posted it in Hidden Sound Test, which what? is my, uh, my Facebook group of obscurities. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the unexpected, like, I made the group originally for just, like, ten friends of mine who I knew were interested in obscure video game music, but it started growing, like, a lot, and, you know, now it's close to 3,000 members, I think, and, um, pretty early on, a few composers found it and joined and started posting, and one of them was Matt Furness, who would, you know, 
gladly talk about like some stuff that he had um, that he had made. And uh, there's a lot of also like crossover um, promotion, if you will. Like Matt Furness uh, posted the time tracks on Genesis soundtrack and mm-hmm. talked about Tim Fallen. Um, and you know, because that's like his Tim Fallen's one and only Genesis soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, Alberto Gonzalez joined. Um, Alexander Brandon joined. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Alberto Gonzalez is, is very um, active online. Like I see, I, he oh, posts yeah. on Twitter all the time, and he's looking up. He's like finding the old hardware and software that he used on the Game Boy, and just talking. Yeah. Like it's really cool that these these classic composers are really open about their process and and really proud of the work that they did. Yeah, we love Alberto at a. Uh, at Hidden Sound Test, so... And yeah, he's there all the time. Uh, even, we had uh, Tommy Tallarico join, and he posted a track. Big Tommy Ooh. T. I don't know. I, yeah. no, no one calls him that. Maybe I call him that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, he's like, I was like, I call him that because we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, we had a bunch of um, composers, like, sort of join, and so that track kind of represents uh, just a, a fine moment for me was like to have the composer sharing this great track that I had never heard of that, you know, indeed uh, hits all of the, you know, checks all the boxes for yeah. obscurities. I mean, and, this, this um, game already, like on the Genesis or Mega Drive, was not super well known, but, and this music I think was just in the menu of, or like the, like maybe it was an unused track on the Genesis, and it's the bass and the, the like the sweeping pads and the synths are incredible and i was like this is daffy duck and to hear yeah. that it was not only was it like kind of an oddball out of the genesis version that it was arranged again for three voices in the uh in the in the, in the noise channel uh master system beatbox on the master <laughs> system like it's and it still sounds incredible it's really well like designed like this track is yeah. well designed yeah, like, I mean, Furnace is just absolutely a master of well, the master system of just, you know, <laughs> Sega, you know, Sega chip music in general. So, yeah, um, I think he kind of blew up his Facebook presence or maybe he blocked me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Randomly, I, I can't find any of his stuff anymore in the group. So okay. I oh. ca- couldn't find the post where he talked about that, which I wanted to. But I was like, well, whatever. The music speaks for itself. He realized that he spoke too much and they came looking for him. <laughs> so he had to tear it all down. Well, I, I can never, I you know, I never know when somebody is like really bothered by my online presence, so they just like block me or something. Because I'm kind of a scrappy leftist, so <laughs> I think I occasionally say stuff that people are like, mm. "Sure as heck beats being a scrappy do." So I think at the end of the day, you made out better on that. <laughs> heck yeah. Um, and you're, you're in good company, by the way, so don't worry about that. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, yeah, whoever like like does that online or like just disappears or ghosts or, or whatever, you know what? They have their reasons, and I respect them yeah. for that. So exactly, he um, might have just yeah just disappeared or something. Yeah, so absolutely, more um, power to him. Cool. <laughs> uh, per, uh, Pernell, I was wondering, did you have any Master System experience? A little, actually, a little. So back in the day, you know, Nintendo was like the system that people had because it was the one that everyone talked about. But we had one neighbor who had a Sega Master System, <clears throat> and I played a few games on his system, most particularly Alex Kidd. Mm-hmm. And um, later on down the line, though, I ended up getting a Sega Power Base converter for the Genesis, which uh-huh. it only works on the Model 1 Genesis. I actually still have it at my mom at my mom's house yeah, in I her closet. It's still a- sitting Alex in there. Alex Kidd was like built into that thing, right? Yep. Yeah. But not into not into the uh unless I'm misremembering, but it wasn't built into the power base converter, but it was uh, built into the original master system, I God, think. All all the add-ons for this thing sounds like like really hardcore like uh, uh, equipment that an electrician would use. 
I, it's, it's a really I cool name. Isn't it? Converter. <laughs> it's such a cool right. name for it. And all it really was was just like a seat that you put on top of the Genesis that lets you play Master System games. Mm. So we had that, and we played some Master System games. But to be perfectly honest, they weren't most. They weren't particularly memorable for me. And it's not a slap on the system or anything like that. It was just by this point in time. Nintendo just kind of had a stronghold at that point, so I it was just, like, well... The, the system, like the Nintendo little gray box, compared to like the Sega Master System and the Sega Genesis, those are cool-looking pieces of plastic. Like, I th- I still think that the, the, the first-generation uh, Sega Genesis Mega Drive is like one of the coolest-looking consoles. And it had a headphone volume I, dial! And the, and the Sega Master System, if I'm remembering it correctly, looked like a Knight Rider, you know? <laughs> it was super I, cool. I, I, I just assumed that the Genesis, like Sega, was like one of the only companies new back then. Was like you might want to be playing a game at a time where no one, you don't want anyone else in the house to hear the noise that you're playing. So you want to just jack your headphones in and play to your heart's content. Well, we got you covered, kid. If you're a grown man and want to bother the family, or if you're a kid who doesn't want his parents to know he's staying up way too late, we got your back. <laughs> I, right. I definitely wore the headphones when playing Sonic Spinball because nobody else wanted to hear that. <laughs> hey, I love the OST of Sonic Spinball, most particularly the freaking lava stage. Yeah. yeah. I love the first stage as well, the Toxic Swamps. Toxic Swamps was such a classic funk track. I'm going to just state it so we don't get caught by some wackadoo Toxic Caves, so we're not going to get caught. Actually, guys. What was I saying? Toxic. What? Oh, did I say Swamp? I meant Caves. <laughs> now he's our guest. If he wants to say Toxic Swamp, he can say. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me want to play Kid Chameleon, though. Yeah. Mm. All right. So coming up next is my pick. So I tried to remember all of the, the arcade that I worked at back in the late '90s and early 2000s was called Funscape. It was two levels of arcade games connected to a movie theater, and I and worked, a go kart track and a go kart track. Which was nice. very dangerous. And <laughs> it was fun. Not a good idea. Um, but anyway, I worked there as a technician and a manager, and I just I did everything at this park for a long time. And I ne- looking back on it, I never realized that they had so many weird, rare arcade games I, w- I had never seen anywhere else. That for some reason, maybe they're just trying to fill up space, or there was surplus at a at a, at a warehouse or something. But there was just so many weird games. And so I went on a YouTube, you know, rabbit hole trying to figure out what these games were. And I finally found one and it had a release on the PlayStation, but I'm playing the music from the arcade version. This is called The Irritating Maze for the SNK Neo Geo. (laughs) This game is so weird. And in in the arcade, there was like, I'll talk about it when we come back, but it's it's a very strange puzzle game. It's very Japanese. In, In Japan, it's called Ultra Denryu Irayo Bao. And it's apparently a game show, like like a like a live action game show, where someone's trying. Also, to... Also, has nothing to do with the irritating stick. No, it's it's the game, physically the game, while a bunch of hosts are yelling at this person, like in their ear, trying to trying to rattle them. Um, so we're gonna listen to the music from the expert course for the Neo Geo. This is by I believe it's just members of the SNK sound team. I don't know which composers work on which track. Group of people, yeah. Yeah. So we, I do have Masahiko Hataya, Hiroyuki Takei. Uh, H. Togashi and K. Matsueda, who are generally all combined into the SNK sound team. So here we go. Ooh, K. Matsueda? Yeah, the K? No, J. <laughs> we, couldn't get, we couldn't get K. We only got the J. Uh, so here we go. This is the expert course from The Irritating Maze. 
this, cause this is what you need And you don't stop And you don't stop You proceed, cause this, cause this is what you need You're listening to the expert maze from the irritating maze on SNK Neo Geo. Um, this is a very interesting track. I swear, as I was listening to it and how it would loop, I could just picture Neo Geo not having a ton of money because they're still, you know, trying to push those expensive consoles. <laughs> so he's like, "We need to get some. We need to get some vocals on this track." And the guy comes like, "Okay, guys, I got you covered. I got a whole song ready to go." And he gets to that first line and you proceed. He's ready to go to the next person. Like, oh, we we got enough. You're good. Go home. It's like, but I got a whole song. Like, we don't need it. <laughs> There's a few arcade games with that that use a lot of like uh, generic like hip hop samples. So like like even at this time, there was, there was a lot of sample records and CDs that were going around to producers. And I think a lot of like arcade um, uh, arcade uh, uh, companies got a hold of them and started using them in their tracks. What's interesting to me is in, in this one, it's actually pretty clear. Like the bass is crisp. And the drum samples sound really good, and, and the voice sample is short, but it's it's pretty clear. Um, it's also, I'll admit, a sound that I feel would draw me into the machine if I heard it yeah. while walking through the arcade. So the irritating maze is, um, it, it you might remember it from. It's like an old old timey like circus uh, midway game where it's um, you imagine a maze of of metal tines, you know, in front of you. In a, in a weird way and you have a metal stick and you have to guide the metal stick between those wires to get to the end so if the, if the metal stick touches the wires then it'll complete the circuit and things will light up and you'll lose the game so this thing is an the game show i believe is the same thing but just really big and really elaborate and these these really loud japanese t- the game show hosts are yelling at people because there's like a million yen on the line or something crazy like that or they're trying to like distract them the arcade game's the same thing, but it's like it's kind of got crazy like mechanics and there's things flashing around, but all you're doing is the exact same thing, trying to move this stick through the maze without touching the sides. But um, what's interesting and what makes it super obscure is that the SNK cabinet that was released for this game wasn't a standard cabinet. It didn't have a joystick and buttons. It was a trackball. Ooh. And, 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 and I remember this because if you if you miss and hit the sides, the screens flash, a face pops up on the screen, you get yelled at, and there's a little hole in between the speakers on the machine and it blows air at your face. And a thousand dollar fine. Uh, it's crazy. Like I've never seen. And apparently in, in Japan there was another version where like if you actually make it through, you can get a little printout of like the course that you actually went through, so you can be like, wow, I actually finished it. Um, but yeah, we got weirdly competitive with this game at, at the arcade. Like it was all like, it was, it was either a pinball or some weird Japanese game that we got a hold of that we just played over and over again. And this is a weird game with some weird music and a weird cabinet. I like it. You proceed <laughs> and proceed. Um, I always have a, a special affection for uh, video game music that has 
vocalizations in it or samples mm-hmm. that are vocal but not actually like lyrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's other don't stop. What's the other SNK game? A baseball stars has a lot of has a lot of vocals in that one too. Yeah. yeah. Hit the ball. Don't hit the ball. Actually, Swing I, the bat. Then you hit the ball. There's a few Tommy Tallarico ones where he's like, "Yeah, okay, cool." Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> I, I can't remember the name of the game, but it's just you can tell it's his voice, but he's just like yelling something, and they just kept reusing the samples. And I'm like, That's amazing. Yeah, I love that stuff. Uh, uh, there's one. I'm actually gonna drop it in our chat but uh you know this is a i guess could be an unofficial track or something but <laughs> snow surfers on the dreamcast snowman theme is goofy as hell <laughs> called snow surfers yeah snow surfers <laughs> I like the I name guess, at least i guess it's also called uh let's see ribbon riders maybe that sounds familiar i think it has a couple of different yeah. names i'm not sure what the u.s name is but mm. yeah anyway ribbon <laughs> like snow surfers. Oh, anyway, I'm glad that uh, I hope everyone enjoyed my little um, my little nostalgia trip right there. <laughs> Just calm. well, we asked you, you proceed, did stop. <laughs> so that makes that says something right there. Yeah. Uh, all right, um, Pernell, what have you got? Did you bring the heat? I don't know. We'll find out. I'm not sure if I'm going to beat you. Don't stop. Proceed. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> um, but at least for the first track, I don't know what I'm going to ch- what I'm going to choose though. Maybe the last one could be the end track for the show. But I'm at least going to pick the one that when the idea of obscure came up or something. This is a good excuse to play this track. So this comes from the game Spark the Electric Jester Two, mm. and the Ooh. track title is Floria Highway, and it's composed by Paul Beathers.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Floria Highway stage theme from the game Spark the Electric Jester 2, composed by Paul Bethers. So, this track has been one that I've been eyeing to get on this show for quite some time now, actually. So, this is one of those hilarious moments where um, I do reviews with SML, and every once in a while, the host, Joe, will kick over a track, or rather, kick over a game for review that I have never heard of. I had no genuine interest in initially, but I'm like, you know, I gotta try this out. This is the type of game I should be reviewing, games I've never heard of. And I put it in, played it, and it pretty much plays like an homage to, like, the 3D Sonic era. Most particularly, the earlier days of the, mod- of the modern 3D Sonic era. So, that means, like, you know, winding corkscrews and such in nature, and, of course, 90s butt rock, as they said. <laughs> so, it got kind of funny when it was time to do the review of the game proper, because, though I did play a good chunk of the game, I really just did the Florida Highway stage 20 times. Because I just wanted to keep listening to this track over and over and over and over again. I became obsessed with it. To the point where I literally put it in my pocket, and the moment I had a topic that would suit it, it was coming on the show. And all this is the one. All so. you needed was a little micro tape recorder. You can be like, note to self, yeah. need 90s butt rock, and then put it up to the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Done. But like, sounded like you guys enjoyed it a bit too. I was super into yeah. that. You into that, Chris? Yeah, yeah, it's good and funky. Like I said, it kind of reminded me of well, of course, Sonic music, but also like the Toshiba EMI um, soundtracks for games like Sword Maniac or Civilian, which are uh, some some obscurities that one should look up because um, they're very bass heavy and like very funky, but like you know, also just good old rockin' music. Stuff I like. Yeah, really yeah. rockin'. The bass is really, really cool. I love it. It's, it's like a very synthy slap bass happening through this track. Um, and the drums are super loud. So I feel like it's just... It just... This sounds like... It just makes everything sound... Super, this track's super loud. Like, everything is just crammed together. And it's full of energy. And it is, an, it is the ultimate Purnell track. Oh, yeah. So I will give a fair warning for the one person or two. I was like, I might have to try this now. If you like the modern Sonic games, but you one of your big complaints was the fact that you had a lot of scripted moments where Sonic wasn't in your control anymore, this game shows you why that happened. <laughs> because crazy loops and stuff, full control, which means oh. you got to be very precise. Because if you can't pull off that speedy corkscrew, you're going to run off the side. <laughs> so is there a lot? So it's almost like the irritating stick, right? It's just you're trying to like thread that needle. Pretty much, you're trying to thread that jester. That's right. No, the game wasn't the irritating maze. It was, it was called the irritating stick on the on the PlayStation, I think. Which is even strange. So it was the same thing. I was yeah. wondering, like, I know I've heard of the irritating stick. Yeah. Zombie John Brown. See that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one on me, pretty <laughs> <laughs> My dad used to say it, and it makes me wonder who the heck was John Brown, but, but it carried over Dan from my Johnson. childhood. I, thought, I'm not, I just assumed it was a Simpsons reference at this point, you know, if you say something. <laughs> Van Johnson is definitely a Simpsons reference. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, uh, Chris, Taylor, John Browns, what's going on? What's your, what's your uh, next pick? <laughs> uh, I have to look. <laughs> what did I pick? Well, you have oh. a few. You have a few, so... Oh, did I? I put that in sync game in there. No, I don't know that I want that in there. <laughs> you can do the other one. <laughs> you can okay. do the other one. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, this next track is Otaku no Saiza uh, on the Famicom. It is a uh, an RPG, kind of a humorous RPG, and as I understand, this is the ending credits theme. Do you know the composer? I don't. I Mr. Actually... Otaku. <laughs> <laughs> I might could find it, but... Uh, yeah, I couldn't, yeah track I, one. I couldn't track one down. So we'll just say it's unknown for now, but this was really cool yeah. when he sent it to us. Um, honorable mention, that NSYNC game has got a great soundtrack. and um, It a, does. A friend of ours, um, Michael Bridgewater, he does like 24-hour kind of gaming marathons of just of, like weird and crappy games. For 24 hours straight and that was one of the games that's like that's like the highlight of his runs is playing oh really sync, get me to the show <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right but get before that show let's uh yeah get to the show Pernell. Uh, let's listen it's to uh, otaku no saiza track two or the ending credits theme for the nintendo famicom listening to the ending credits theme or track two from otaku no saisa for the nintendo famicom and i was just telling chris that like this, there's a lot of really interesting sections to this 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 music um how did you discover this one okay so this was actually one that i discovered um by accident uh while you know just going down a youtube rabbit hole kind of thing and uh, the video that I found <laughs> was uh, in Japanese, so I, I didn't know what game it was, and I uh, I don't remember how I even found out. Like, I guess um, I just eventually, like, there was, like, this long period, I want to say about two months, where I had heard this song, and I was like, that song is so good! And then I lost it somehow, <laughs> and then I had to find it again. <laughs> and it was so... unique. It was a very unique sound. A very unique experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bringing SML in jokes in over here. Have to. We'll bring it up later. We'll tell Rob about it in a few. He'll love oh, it. heck yeah. I'm always up for that. Rob Nichols, um, smiling politely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, like, yeah, it was one of those things where it's just like I, um, I was looking for, like, songs that I wanted to cover, uh, with Gimmick, which is my, uh, my main video game, uh, you know, cover band. And uh, I always look for things that are, like, melodically really substantial and, like, you know, have a cool groove to them. But, like, I'm all about melodies and harmonies and especially, like, um, the way that the square waves, I guess, kind of play with each other. And that song was just, like, absolute ultimate. I was like, I could never play this on a guitar, 
you know, but. <laughs> and yeah, it just stuck with me forever. And, you know, of course, I brought it up in the group. And uh, weirdly enough, in the last year, a lot more stuff has cropped up about Otaku no Saiza. Wow. Uh, for one, it was a Turbo CD game as well. Oh, now you got my number. Yeah, and a whole different soundtrack, but, you know, and they also made a, an OVA anime of it, but I haven't been able to find anything translated. Mm. Um, so I just watched a little bit of it, and it's just like, you know, a sexy adventure comedy kind of thing. Uh, apparently the loose plot of the, uh, of the property is that, you know, this is the future in space, but uh, women have taken away all the rights of men, so it's <laughs> up to the male protagonist to, like, win back the rights of, oh, like... God. It's very MRA the game, but... Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> concerned about this one. I'm glad in 80s Japan. It's up to Otaku no Saiza to set things right. <laughs> right, which yeah. I believe the translation of that is kind of like the dork galaxy or something like that. <laughs> oh, the nerdy galaxy. Yeah, I was wondering, oh, right. like, why it was otaku, otaku no Saiza, because, yeah. It's... Yeah, it's it's comedic. I think it's probably very tongue in cheek. Mm. Um, there is an official, not official, obviously. There's a fan translation of the NES game out there, but I didn't have time to load it up before coming onto the show today. <laughs> well, it's so. interesting you brought up the way the 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 wave uh, the wave the um uh, the square wave uh, channels uh, interact with each other because they can play with the the, the duty cycle, which would be the the, the pulse width. So they can modulate yeah. the pulse width, and when they have two channels playing simultaneously, they'll they'll often offset the, the same note on two different channels, and so that the modulation between the two channels kind of phase in and out of each other, and it sounds like a chorus effect, like like it's like a it's yeah. almost not like a reverb, but it sounds like fuller. And when I hear that employed, even if by accident, like on a on an NES track, it just it sounds like so cool. Like even today, like back back when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's like so that's from the future, you know. And I hear that stuff. Know, I hear that stuff today, and I get super excited. I'm like, "Yeah, I want yeah. that." <laughs> you want to know what one of my favorite examples of what you're describing is? Uh, the intro story music to Totally Rad. Yes, that's a game to this day I've never played, but I always wanted to because the new, oh, Nintendo good. Power made it look colorful and gnarly. <laughs> it's good. It's good, and uh, plus it's got you know that early '90s like you know valley speak in it so you know <laughs> well that was radical was that was tim yeah, Fallen, yeah. right no it was no. a it's a jellico game oh. and i don't recall the name of the composer but it's um it's the same cool. person i think who made uh, the soundtrack to astianax oh okay which that's how you pronounce that <laughs> i never astianax. got it how does it go astianax i just dropped it uh you know by the way, the uh, Astyanax's title in Japan is so much better. It's called The Lord of King. <laughs> Ooh, I would play that. <laughs> the Lord of King? Yeah, awesome. Lord of King. I love that. There's only one king, and I'm, I lord over him. And I'm the Prince of Duke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that it's the same composer. I could be wrong. You know, internet nerds get at me, I guess. You know, come infiltrate Hidden Sound Test and, and tell me how wrong I am. Well, actually... <laughs> We like Chris. Chris is good guy. But I also I also like having the facts, and I don't like research. So sometimes I do like being corrected. That's honestly, admittedly, that's an enjoyable thing. Like my idea is that I'm all for people being like, "Oh, oh yeah. just let you know, this is the actual thing." What I hate is when it's the other way, and it's not so much. Hey, I just want to give you the heads up. It's more like 
literally. Well, actually, let me tell you something. <laughs> you don't know as much as you think, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, yeah, look, we get, we get I, corrections all the time for the show. And and we've been doing this long enough that we, you know, we get emails, we get um, plenty of messages through Discord, and it's always welcome because yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get it wrong, and a lot of the information that's out there isn't always easily found. So. Be so kind when, people, when you remind. <laughs> because, oh my god, that's awesome! That's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a like, t-shirt, actually. That's gonna be like cool. literally, like we have, like we have a listener in our um that posts in our Discord name Electric Boogaloo, and mm. he is like notorious for providing like legitimate like critiques and feedback. And we're like, hey guys, just give you the heads up. That composer you mentioned, he actually only composed these two tracks, but the guy who composed the track that was on the show was this dude. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah. there it is. And now I got a new guy. I got to look up. Yeah, it wasn't Koji and- Blondo. It was Koji Kondo. <laughs> There's a, yeah, and there's, like, there's there's a necessity for community when it comes to, like, mm-hmm. um, researching and coming up with, you know, really accurate information about video game composers, especially from back in the day, because that information is so cloudy. Yes. And there's some people, like, out there doing great work. Actually, I wanted to shout out um, the Video Game Music Preservation Society, I think yes. is what it's called. Yes. Uh, a great resource. The person who founded that uh, that wiki, it's a wiki of like all kinds of composers and their work and stuff, and it's very well researched. I actually accidentally ended up uh, rooming with the founder of that at a MAGFest. Oh. <laughs> so, Man, that's pretty convenient. Like, the only so, a MAGFest. No, 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 we're hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I actually had named, I had mentioned that that group, and he was like, "Dude, I founded that group." I was like, "No way!" <laughs> <laughs> so we became fast friends after that. So that's good. Uh, that's Dean, and uh, you know, shout outs to Dean. It's like, well, now that I know that that's you, I have some like I have some suggestions on how you can further preserve <laughs> video game music. And I'd like exactly. you to listen to them. Uh, <laughs> the break up this long music, I think would be much better. <laughs> 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 I'm listening. Um, all right, so my next track comes from another um, a random uh, rare arcade game that I played uh, way too much of. This is called, um, where is it? War colon Final Assault. This is an Atari-developed uh, arcade game. It's a first-person shooter arcade game that could be linked up to a bunch of machines and had the worst ergonomic controls ever. Um, this is, But the music is incredible. It's this really heavy industrial like techno type stuff um, and it's adaptive to the game so we're going to listen to a, a bit of it and then let it continue on while we talk because there's lots of parts of it that have been snipped together um, that I found um, which was, so the person who put this together well done the name of their channel is literally just War Final Assault so I guess <laughs> some, someone put all the <laughs> work together band. and made one channel put it all on there and then I don't know called it a day said like my career is over um, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. so, so grim. He could have said, "Hey, my career is going to strange new places." No, no, no I'm at my YouTube career. You know, <laughs> that's that it. Too I'm going, is I'm going. All right, this is a hide and seek from War Final Assault for the arcade, composed by Michael Henry.
Alright, you're listening to Hide and Seek from the game War Total Assault for the arcade, composed by Michael Henry. Um, and for some reason, I thought Michael Henry was like the name of an actual like 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 the, the front man for some industrial band like Front 242 or something like that. That Ed Wilson from another podcast would be a fan of. No, but no, he's a he's an, uh, a foley artist and a sound designer who worked at Atari for a while. Um, so that kind of makes sense given all the, like the sound effects going on here. Um, and he worked on games like San Francisco Rush 2049. I think we all remember that one. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. There's nothing obscure about that bad boy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, but that, this one's really strange. Like, like there aren't that many first-person shooters that made it into the arcade. Um, that I guess that that you would really see, especially back then. Yeah. Um, but it worked really well. Um, it was very competitive. <laughs> it was very. It felt very much like um, almost like Goldeneye, like in that way that it was very communal. But. <laughs> To, to move the character like instead of a mouse on your right hand you would you have like a like a flight stick and that's okay but on the left hand where you would have like the WASD control to move around it was these three giant like arcade push buttons and they were what? so far apart on your hand that like if you got into like this tournament or if you got into like like long sessions with some friends like it was just the worst so like you had like move your whole hand over from button to button, or you could like spread your fingers. Yeah, you had to spread your fingers around to like mm-hmm. strafe left and right and stuff like that. And there's actually a song on this track called "Circle Strafe," <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, it's it's just super painful. But it was really interesting, and I think this is like um, a good example of like Atari still trying to be um, innovative in the arcade space. You know, imagine playing pop and music for years and then coming back to this guy. Probably be a champ at this point. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Um, the pop and music you play with your whole hand and your whole arm and your whole body. Because <laughs> <laughs> those buttons are the size of my face. <laughs> <laughs> they need to be popped. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the last time we went to round one, they had some interesting, like, like kind of first person or third person, like arena fighting type games from Japan. But like that kind of made sense to me nowadays to do something like that, to try to make something like uh, like a competitive fighting game in that <laughs> space. But to do this, that was back a really in, weird one that yeah. had uh, what was it? it? Had like a like a, a, a Nintendo Wii nunchuck, and yeah. then the controlling the jump and all was actually like a something that where I can't remember what you would call the tech. I guess it was just like a infrared line or something yeah. where you put your hand over it, yeah. and based on whatever like finger hand gestures you made, determine what you did. It was such an odd concept. Yeah, it was an infrared uh, camera, and it would read your hand like motions, like like literally your hand motions to do like moves. Gunslinger Stratos. Yeah, that's what it was called. Um, yeah, really, yeah, that's another interesting one. I tried playing that with you. I don't know if you were there, but I know our friend Ian was there, and we were like, huh. this is the coolest looking thing ever. And like, wow, this is really, there's a lot happening. <laughs> Am I winning? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but but yeah, so this, this, huh. this is really, really cool. I mean, Atari's it's always like- tried to do new things in the arcade, so um, yeah, I kind of miss those like- days. It basically played like you were doing one-handed Naruto ninja move hand gestures yeah. constantly. It's like, what'd you do? Just circle, jumped and shot. It was like, well, we got this technology. How can we like put it into a game to do something with it? You know. But I'm, I'm oh, my kid likes this new show that's on the internet these days. Maybe we should work with that. I mean, I, I like buttons. I, I've, I've never really got the handle on um, touch controls, like on the phone. You know, um, touch controls. I think. A specific type of games make use of them. Like the DS did a really good job of showing 
when a control, when a game really actually can benefit from touch controls, and when it was clearly shoehorned in. Yeah. Well, like on, on the iPhone, there's lots of there's lots of platforming games and stuff where there's like a controller on the screen, you can move left and right. But like, it's so hard to know where your thumb is if there's no like like feedback on 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 the on the the nerves of my fingers. To be quite literal about it, um, you literally just reminded me of a game I need to grab off the Play Store. I bought it back when I first got an internet, got a cell phone, and bought my first like game. Now I gotta remember what the heck it was called. It was about a. It was Magnet. Played as a literal. No, no, that was a great game though too. But it never came out on the on my platform. Was Apple only? Yeah, you. That was like Mr. Magnet or Master Magnet. But this is a game where you are Mexican jumping bee. Yeah, because that was clearly on the nose. Um, but you played as a Mexican jumping bean, and you were going from level to level. You were constantly, perpetually jumping, but you could tap the screen to determine when you moved left and right. Mm-hmm. So it was all about controlling the pacing at which you jumped to avoid enemies and look for the hidden Quetzalcoatl statue. And it, it, it was cheesy, and yet for some reason, the amount of color and the concept just made it fun to play. And if I manage to remember what the heck darn name of the game was. I'm going to re-download it yeah. because I, mean, I, I paid for it. A whole generation of people out there who are like, "Yeah, it's fine." You know, it's on the phone, and I can just use my thumb, and I can play, you know, Fortnite or PUBG, and do really well with it. But like, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I that's why I have like two like you know, fighting game joysticks like <laughs> sitting right next to me, and and like I just I need like to feel things to do things and. Um, I know that my generation will die and no one will care anymore. <laughs> um, anyway, Purnell, we are on to your second track. Of- I found it. It's called Beans Quest. Because that's on the nose. Oh, Bean there? Done that. Go, oh! Going to, going to, All right. going to go Bean Town? Going to Bean Town and then some. Um, but my actual track is not from Beans Quest. It's actually a track. I, I'm having trouble deciding, but I feel like at the end, the second track I had would probably be better suited for the end of the show. So I want to go with this one that would not work at the end of the show, but is also great. This comes from the game Duck Game. Yeah. Um, and the track title is called Back When, and it's composed by Landon Podbielski.
Oh yeah. Welcome back. You're listening to Back When from the game Duck Game. Composed by Landon Podbielski or Podbielski. Depends on how you pronounce it. I don't know. Um, I've played this game on the Switch. Though I wager on other consoles as well. Um, this game is fantastic. This is another example. And for the fact, fun theme here. Every track from this show, with the exception of my bonus round track, is actually also from a game that I ended up reviewing. That <laughs> did not expect a click would be like it did. But Duck Game has been one of the most played games I've played since I reviewed it. It is a multiplayer game. I think Adult Swim Games actually published it. And um, it pretty much sounds like a straight up like a, like a series of tracks that used to be in, or that would have been in Comic Zone or something. It just didn't quite make it. But. That's probably why I like him so much. And it's a, just like an arena versus game where you are characters, all ducks, and you are doing a deathmatch style battle where you pick up different weapons that are hitting either question blocks a la Mario or hidden indestructible objects. And weapons range from things as simple as a pistol or a shotgun to the Moon Knight's gun and chainsaws and armored knight sword, um, armor and helmet and a shield and sword and like jetpacks. And it gets nice. really really ridiculous and when this track is playing because it rotates various tracks as you play through the game and it's all about like first to get like 10 wins or so yeah but when this track is playing and i'm on a winning streak oh i get cocky as all get <laughs> out it ends up being a blast we're sitting there playing people are yelling at you and you get that victorious win and like, yep that's it let's do this thing let's dance and shoot dance and shoot uh, it's such a it's such a fun time is it and dance it's and one shoot those... or dance and shoes Dance and shoot oh, with God. dancing shoes. <laughs> okay. uh, it's just one of those games where it... If I didn't... I admittedly say if I didn't review this or someone didn't tell me about it, I would have ignored it. Like, there's, there was nothing about this game that I've seen just in advertisements that draw me to it. But in execution, this game is freaking glorious. <laughs> Every stitch of the word, and the music is a large part of why that is. It's a stellar OST. Yeah, this is awesome. It's got that great like FM synthy guitar sound that I really like. It's a little less yeah. harsh than it is in um like uh like Road Rash or Skitchin, but it does definitely has that feeling to it. Um, do you have or any Sonic Spinball? Yeah, Sonic Spinball. Do you have like <laughs> any nostalgia for that that kind of grind that kind of grindy heavy sound, Chris? Because I it's oh heck yeah, I know that heck yeah. Some people are on the fence with that because it's a little divisive. <laughs> no, it's it's FM is great. It's grimy in all the right ways. Yeah, it's Give me those FM songs. <laughs> it's raw, man. It's raw. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to turn this track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show that Pernell and I, we like to call this part of the show a little something, the bonus round. The bonus round! <laughs> that was the worst duck voice I've ever done. <laughs> I, I had no idea you were going to try your Daffy Duck on me. No, that was Donald. Donald. Oh, jeez. Well, you know, or, okay. We'll try it. <laughs> like, that was really terrible. We'll fix it later in post. And it's just going to be um, <laughs> a Donald being like, I need magic. Or what is, he, what is he screaming Kingdom Hearts all the time? <laughs> <laughs> he just yells. <laughs> he just yells random crap. I, I, I got to say, I really love the new DuckTales show, which, of course, was was canceled. But anytime <sighs> that, 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 um, that Donald, Donald Duck was yeah, on the show. Donald. I got him confused. It's amazing that you had to stop and think about it. <laughs> Every time that which one, that famous duck, duck without track. the pants. 
Yeah, the one yeah, without we've the... been talking about Daffy, so I can yeah. understand that. Um, but anyway, every time <laughs> he comes on the show, I have no clue what he's saying. Like, I don't know. I have to have subtitles on to figure out. It every... makes you feel kind of bad for him because before it was literally just Donald. Yeah. So Donald spoke like that. And you just kind of assumed they were like, yeah, oh, he's got this is what we imagine a cartoon duck would sound right. like. Yeah. And then they introduce his uncle and the kids and every other duck has speaks normally. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and cast a huge light on Donald. <laughs> what happened? What happened to Donald? Look, I, I, I urge you to be more compassionate to Donald Duck because he had a stroke. <laughs> that kind of cast, that's all I can think of because yeah. it really just casts a huge bright light. Like, why does Donald talk like this? But none of the other ducks do. And they ever, they've never acknowledged it on any of the shows. Like, Donald, we can't understand you. Slow down. Right. I'm too yeah. angry. Wow. They they do on the new series a little bit. I do that. Oh, they, they do. They take some playful jabs about it. Oh, man. They're like, one of the things that Donald, like, that makes Donald so angry is that he thinks he can't be understood or something like that. <laughs> it like it they say it in like a, a, psych, a psychology type oh, like funny. framing but you know it has that double meaning well, i was watching the first <laughs> few episodes with my uh, my cousin rachel and i was literally pausing the show and she would translate for me and because she's like a disney nut and then i would watch it again and i would stop and be like rachel what is that she's like no she he said this i'm like I can't understand that. Anyway, this tangent, <laughs> you know, professional Donald translator. This tangent is brought to you by Rhythm and Pixels. <laughs> um, so the bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on the show based on the theme that we have today. And Chris brought something I am really happy about. <laughs> yeah, accidentally. I had no idea. Yeah. So uh, why don't you introduce um, uh, this masterpiece right here? Sure thing. Okay, so this is a... Uh, well. I do video game cover music. Uh, I uh, my main bands are Gimmick and uh, uh, Super High Tops. That's high like hello, uh, which is a Toe Jam and Earl reference because all we've officially done so far is a Toe Jam and Earl cover. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> uh, so you know I do play video game covers with groups, but uh, this was a collaborative compilation uh, to a very dear friend of mine, uh, Deirdre who got married this year and a whole bunch of friends from uh, the shiz forums, which is the mini bosses um, fan forum that turned into its own like kind of community. Uh, they put together this, this album of tracks uh, as a wedding gift kind of thing. Oh, cool. And this is a song that I really liked because she had covered it before and we're both big fans of Neil Baldwin. And so I actually took it upon myself to basically just make my own track. So this is actually just got my name attached to it. And, uh, Kev Ragone, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, who is another, you know, uh, mutual friend, a kind of, kind of thing. Uh, when I handed it off to the person who was putting this together to mix it and like, uh, you know, make it sound good and everything. Uh, he brought in a drummer uh, much to my delight. Uh, mm. so this is not a drummer I've met, but, uh, everything but the drums and the production are me on this track. And this is um, a Neil Baldwin track. Neil Baldwin is one of my favorite video game composers. It is a song that appears both in Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge and James Bond Jr. on the NES. What? Uh, yeah, it's, The it's, James Bond Jr. version is sped up. But, it's uh, sped up a little bit, and it's called like the love theme from James Bond Jr. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It, funny enough, they, they tagged it in on YouTube as an unused track, but a friend of mine, actually the drummer for Gimmick, um, you know, Justin, 
he uh, he played all the way through uh, James Bond Jr. And he found out that if you beat the game twice, what? the song does play during the second ending. Oh, cool. So it is an actual in-game song. It's just very obscure. Was it worth Anyways. playing twice? Yeah. So it's almost is... like Ghosts and Goblins or something. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, the version I covered is the podium theme from Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge, which, uh, due to in-jokes, I called Ferrari Ham Prix Challenge. Which I like. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's what this is. All right, let's give it a listen. Glazed. Ferrari Ham Prix Challenge, the podium theme from Ferrari Grand Prix Challenge, composed by Neil Baldwin and arranged by Chris Taylor with Kev Ragone. Um, Chris, I really, really enjoyed this, and thank you so much for for sharing this with us. Oh, thank you very much. It's uh, actually the first video game cover that I 
like recorded by myself kind of thing. Mm. I usually have to rely on people who are much more technical than I am to like record me. <laughs> and I know that like the DIY aspect of video game covers is like really super normal in the community, but I myself am kind of a dullard. So <laughs> this, this took, this took me, uh, this took getting over some, some anxieties for me to actually hit record on my own guitar playing. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, sure. You, well, I bet that's made it that much more special when they heard it on the album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, one they were thing, totally you know, into it, yeah. It's one thing to like um, practice parts over and again and again, and then, okay, you got the track set up, you hit record, and then it's just, <laughs> the pressure's on, you got to get it right. Yeah, and uh, I reminded myself, actually, because I didn't say this before hitting play, um, you know, shout-outs to Deirdre and to uh, Greg Council and Steve-O. They are the fellow admins of Hidden Sound Test, and they help me, like, uh you know, they've helped immensely, like keeping the keeping it to a consistent experience of of greatness. <laughs> and they honestly, of letting it run ragged all over the place. And it's kind of funny too, because for all things considered, the rules there are fairly straightforward. It's like, just if you post, it has to have a track associated with it. Like, you can't yes. just post random text. Yeah, I uh, yeah, and the reason for that is that I, you know, I, I was part of like plenty of of these online groups uh you know meant to appreciate certain things whatever i'm in some of those groups now and i just noticed the trend that every single time somebody comes up with this great idea for a group um it immediately like or not immediately but like it eventually turns into over time it turns into just like you know text only conversational editorials and like you know completely off topic stuff. And like that tends to make everybody's engagement with the whole thing go way down. And Very uh, true. so I was like, well, if I'm going to make my own group and we're going to really, you know, and I'm going to dedicate this much time to like, you know, watching over it and all this stuff. Cause I personally like every post I mm-hmm. click like on every single post that goes up in that group. Um, that's been a rule since day one for me personally, mm-hmm. is that if you post anything in that group, one person's going to like it and it's going to be me. <laughs> That's a very wholesome. That's wholesome as all get out right there. Well, thank I you. like that. And uh, and yeah, but the, the flip side of that, of course, is that I have the one rule, which is always have music. It has to always be from a video game because I didn't want it to get. I didn't want there to be confusion as to like whether this is a cover or an official arrangement. Mm-hmm. So it was like people really wanted to post official arrangements. We considered not letting them, and then we were like, whatever. It's it official arrangements are fine, but fan arrangements. Actually, Deirdre uh, started. Um, spiked beats. Oh, which I joined is our that sister one too. Club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's our sister club. She started it literally so that we can point people to it when they want to po- uh, post fan remixes in Hidden Sound Test. Nice, and that that's its own party. I actually have no, uh, I have no, no finger in that pie. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, that's a terrible metaphor. No pony that in that metaphor. race. We'll we'll go with that. There we yeah. go. No, no alcohol in, in those beats. <laughs> no ham in that pre. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I got a good ham and pre sandwich. Ooh. Um, all right, that has some other meanings here. So we're going to go to our next track here. Um, I picked a track. Well, I think of obscure music and a, an arrangement of obscure music. The band Steel Samurai is the first oh, yeah. one that comes to my mind. Um, so this For is their... which Deirdre has done guest vocals. That's right. <laughs> the circle comes together. It all comes exactly. together. Um, Steel Samurai is one of my favorite video game bands out there. I have all of their albums. I bought them all on CDs, and they uh, and I got handwritten notes with them, 
which is super nice. Oh, they because you, sir, are a person yeah. of quality taste. They play cover. live. Like when they play live, they're they're so much fun. Like they're just having yes. a blast. They play really Tons well together. Lots of yeah. energy too. Yeah, fantastic people. All right, so I chose the um, the Air Zonk medley. I think Air Zonk is suitably obscure. Yes. Since, um, I think Purnell's the only one who's ever owned uh, Turbo Graphics in the Wilmington area. In <laughs> uh, so this is, uh, they called it Zonk It. From, uh, this is from Steel Samurai from the game Air Zonk. was zonk it from the game air zonk arranged by steel samurai oof zonk it good i've totally Amazing. forgot that they uh they, they they kind of blended it right into beat it by michael jackson right at the end there but <laughs> it, just, it just fits too well you know they just, they just kept it going oh yeah they're great about that i mean just very, I, like what i was mentioning during the break that uh 
I had their criminal justice system album on my desk here, and they did that with one of the songs there where they slipped in the Law and Order Dick Wolf theme. Yeah, yeah. One of their songs, which is really awesome. I like at the Just end. A- I should say at the end, composed by Dick Wolf, but I don't know. <laughs> they always do actually. At the end of that song, they always say like um, they always say like um, produced by Dick Wolf. Yeah. It's just so good. And Dick it makes me say, it's like, you always get that one person in the crowd that's like, who's Dick Wolf? I'm like, get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> oh, man. They're a fantastic band. I love those guys. All right, Pernell, what's and the... And they play board games. Uh, what's the track that you brought to the show for the bonus round, my man? Well, to be perfectly honest, you covered Still Samurai, so I felt secure there because <laughs> I was like, well, obscure bands or obscure music has to include those guys. But since that was done, I actually decided to rather go for a cover. I was going to pick a track from an obscure game that you probably can't even buy anymore. Um, but I've always been fond of it, most particularly for the lyrics that would play while you played the game. I the remember, you, I remember you playing this one. <laughs> I was obsessed with this game. This is the rock theme, because all the tracks in the game were basically titled after themes, like rock theme, haunted theme, blah, blah, blah. And it's from the game Poker Smash, originally released on the X on Xbox Live Arcade for the 360, mm. and I think it died there, unfortunately, yeah. because it deserved more love than it got. A lot of games um, uh, uh, were were born and died on the 360 platform. <laughs> oh yeah, that and thing was the king of indies. That's the height of obscurity for me because I didn't have a 360 when all that was current. Mm. I got one much, much later, so anything Xbox 360, I'm not going to know, so... Like, I will say, I'll say flat out deep down before even going into the track proper that I feel like for everybody, everybody's dealing, there's all console war stuff going on back and forth, but I stand by the belief that it was the Xbox Live Arcade and the 360 platform that made it so that indie indie release games became such a big force on home consoles. Not Steam consoles yeah because they're everywhere now but back then they were really only on xbox live um so i don't know the composer for this i could not find it i just went by the developer house which was voice star creations so all right let's go right on. poker smash poker smash <laughs> Away. You lay my mind. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the rock theme from the game Poker Smash. And apparently Rob has deets on this that <laughs> I missed something sad and fierce. All right, so, so go for it. Yeah, all, all there there are ten different like themes in the game, like Pernell described, all different like musical themes, and they're all composed by David Cease of the band Stretch Armstrong. So I think he performed some of this music with the band Stretch Armstrong. So Stretch Armstrong was a band from ninety two to mid two thousands. Um, I think they did like punk rock or kind of heavy punk rock type stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know anything about them. I think it's a great name. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And for those who are like too, are too young to know, Stretch Armstrong was also a nineties toy that was pretty much a really buff like guy that could stretch, he stretches arms and out. He just stretched them. <laughs> <laughs> he stretched his arms, pulled them apart. Uh, so poker he smash. Wasn't just, he wasn't just especially limber. No. <laughs> no, nope, nope. He was purely elastic. He was like he, he was Luffy before Luffy. He was like He Man, but he was also a yoga master. You know, mm. <laughs> in the house. So like Poker Smash, and I think it's based on the break. We I've learned that Chris will probably love this game if he comes across it somehow. It was basically Tetris Attack, but uh, instead of just connecting matching shapes and whatnot, you made poker hands. Um, huh. So it was all the suits. And cards numbered from ten to ace. So ten, um, Joker. Or sorry, ten, Jack, Queen, King, and Ace were available on the board. And you right. basically shifted the parses around, made your combos. But the thing that made it different, surprisingly, aside from making poker hands to break the blocks from Tetris Attack, was you could also do two things. You could slow down time temporarily. And you could also, after filling a gauge up, you could drop a bomb onto a block and intentionally blow it up. What this nice. made for was, though it was a challenge, it was not easy to do. Though I think Rob may have even watched me do this once back in the day when I was like, you gotta check out this game, man. Um, <laughs> but you could essentially make an infinite combo in this game. But it took a lot of work because, again, if you use up your bombs, you had to actually get enough charges up to get a new bomb so that if you find yourself in a bind, you could drop a bomb to buy yourself some time and then slow down the gauge in order to do it again and again and again and again. It was and a after cool combo system. It was really great. And after every couple of, you know, points or whatever, if you got enough points on the stage, you would get a new you go to another level. And when you get a new level, you would get new music to accompany the stage. And early on it was just cool to discover what new tracks were going to show up on the next level because I like pretty much every music track in this game. This one and the mine theme are the ones that stand out the most for me overall. But I like every track. Mm. And even once you got to hear them all, even though despite most of them being vocalized, you didn't get tired of them. I just liked hearing it every time it came up in the game, which made it more than worth its while for me and more than worth the money I spent on it back in the day. But of yeah. course, every time I mentioned it, it was like, hey, you're a poker smash. Like, poker what? I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, even in, in the in the, the Wikipedia that I found, I said that the uh, the developers would have like these Tetris attack tournaments with each other, and so that that yes. makes sense that like if it's kind of a, a similar mechanic. Um, but I never got into Tetris attack. Maybe I just never had the opportunity to really get into it. You yeah. Need to, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. After you, good sir. <laughs> I was just gonna say yeah. I definitely uh, my mom picked it up because she liked Tetris mm. back in you know nineteen ninety five or whenever. And she saw it at Walmart and she was like, oh, I like Tetris. I'm going to buy this. And so, you know, obviously it's not Tetris at all. No. It's a, uh, it's panel swapping and, you know, panel dip pond. 
And uh, but we all got really into it. And so I have been playing it since it came out and I've actually like won like local tournaments of it and stuff. So I <laughs> oh, cool. It's it's like the puzzle game for me. And uh, and yeah, I it, it is true that if you have two people that are any good at Tetris attack, they will like make a, a competition out of it. You know, there will be a let, tournament. And don't let Rob throw you off too much. He's perfectly fine with this game, except he only okay. knows it primarily as the game Planet Puzzle League, which we used to get into. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, that was Panel Dupont. Yeah, we played mm-hmm. that a lot. I was yeah. terrible at it, but it was fun. It was good. <laughs> it was great. And the stylus, that was another example of like touchscreen mechanics. Yes. Making a game so much better. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was... Yeah, that really... <laughs> it kind of like broke the game for some of us who were already really good at it because that, you know being able to match that stuff up so much quicker but oh, yeah. ever since it became pokemon puzzle league on in the nintendo 64 days like they've just been piling on like all these mm. you know much more difficult like tiers and so like each version of this game has like its own crowd like uh, I'm good. I'm really good at Tetris Attack, but I don't think I can like compete in Pokemon Puzzle League. Oh, wow. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the cylinder. How many people even use the cylinder mode? Because that was the big claim to fame that Pokemon Puzzle League had was the 3D version. Yeah, and it's really good too. It's hard as the Dickens, though. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> well, for like, more, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was. I was going to say it was like it just gave me an excuse to say, you know what, I really want to plug, and I wish more people played it. Was Medios? Yes, yeah, I was, was going to another... say Medios. Like I was just thinking, like for you talk about touch controls being like perfect for puzzle games and how they really made it work. Medios, yeah. we we would play Medios. You, me, I remember Mike, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, my wife Christy. We would just play like constantly. It was addictive. Have you ever played Medios, Chris? Uh, only briefly. I never had it, so you know I. Uh... I, I just played it like somebody would hand it to me and be like, here, play this. And I'd be like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool, but I kind of have to learn it. <laughs> yeah, that definitely has an interesting learning curve but despite def- the rules. Definitely that panel swapping situation. Ooh, yeah. yeah. But for yeah. more information on the bonus round part of our show, go to rhythmandpixels.com where we'll have links to everyone's band camps and sound clouds and everywhere where you can uh, listen to this music, uh, buy this music, and support all of these artists. Thanks for joining us on episode 25-10 of Rhythm and Pixels, Obscure Music in Obscure Games with Chris Taylor, the um, the king of obscure music, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, maybe Lord of King. Lord of King. The Lord of King of obscure video game music. Anyway, thanks, thanks for spending some time with us tonight um, on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. It was, it was like such a good fit. Yeah, yeah, a great fit. It's always awesome, like when the when the uh, when you're the, when you're genuinely genuinely interested in the topic, first of all, and also like the music. I feel like has been really strong on today's show. I've liked everything we played today, um, except for Pernell's music. I can. I can <laughs> well, gee, man, I try so hard. <laughs> no, I like it all. Um, yeah, this is fantastic stuff. We're ending on um, uh, music from uh, Izuna, Legend of the Unemployed Ninja. This track is called "The Snake Hole." which sounds like a bar that I was thrown out of when I was in my 20s. 
<laughs> no, I've never been that wild. But um, yeah, it's just really good stuff. Um, so you want to tell our listeners any, anything else uh, where they can find you online or um, uh, anything you want to plug for um Well, you know, band the main thing that... Sorry, I <laughs> just started talking yeah, yeah, or you were done do. talking. Uh, yeah, the main thing is that I am on Twitch five times a week. Uh, Twitch.tv slash LiarXaggerate. That is L-I-E-R-X-A-G-E-R-A-T-E. Um, I play mostly RPGs. Uh, I'm also really obsessed with Skyrim, and like that's coming back. Uh, I like to play really stupid builds on the game's hardest difficulty. Um, but anyways, that's where you can find me most nights. Uh, and then if you want to hear more of my music, you can check out Gimmick Video Game Rock Band. That's gimmickvgm.bandcamp.com. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter as uh, Gimmick Band. And uh, right now, I have a group also called Super High Tops. Uh, we're working on stuff actually right now. And uh, you can just find us on YouTube by searching for Super High Tops. And uh, our one thing right now is a we did a live playthrough of every song in Toe Jam and Earl mm. in in one like go. So oh, yeah. it's Dark like a 15 funk. minute track. <laughs> yeah, I remember you, uh, you actually sent that to us like a couple months ago. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm really into it. Yeah, it's real. It's been really fun, and like I just, I really wanted to do something that ambitious without, um, no, you know, not to knock it. I just wanted to t- try and see if it could be done without doing the uh, playing against a track, you know, like miming track, yeah. or like you know, recording it beforehand, uh, or like splitting it into different videos. I was like, let's play every single song in one medley and do it live, like in front of the camera, and that's what we did. How many, did it take any takes, or was it like a one and done? Uh, no, it's... <laughs> the, <laughs> it's like, what the do you one, think this is? The one that ended up on YouTube is take three out of six. So we did it six times that day. That's still pretty freaking slick. We practiced it a lot beforehand. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah, that's... it took us months to actually put together, so... Actually, it sounds, it sounds really, really great. I'm going to link to that on the show notes on the podcast well, and on, much, on the yeah. website. I really enjoyed it. It's probably the best thing I've done, really. (laughs) I'm not going to... No, that's... I love everything I've done, honestly. I love Gimmick, and I love Super High Tops, and I'm starting to dig doing my own thing, too. So, uh, it's all good, and those are the best places to find me. And, of course, uh, Hidden Sound Test, uh, you can find that on Facebook. Uh, It's got got a URL. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Hidden Sound Test. Or you can just search it. uh, Join it, but don't don't go making any, uh, you know, topical posts without music attached to them because it will get deleted. Yeah, so. don't, don't, don't go on this Facebook group and promote your podcast or anything like that. It's the most important rule. <laughs> Not just that I never done it. I did that or anything. So, uh, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's very rare that we'll make an exception for when people do that. It's usually when composers get on there and do it that we're like, we won't delete this. Mr. Gonzalez, I just need you to know that you need to put a track oh. on that. I will say, uh, Mr. Gonzalez has been perfect as a member so far. So, <laughs> oh, no strikes against Mr. Gonzalez. Huh. No strikes. <laughs> well, um, if you'd like to contact us on the show, uh, me and Pranell, if you have any track suggestions, topic suggestions, or if you're in a band or if you know a band and you'd like for us to know about them, the best way to do it is to send us an email. Rhythm and Pixels at hotmail.com. And for a full track listing from our show, all of our shows, and access to all of our episodes, check out the website. 
rhythmandpixels.com. We're on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Um, you can all check us out on uh, youtube.com slash rhythm and pixels. There we have a 24-7 radio station playing nothing but 8-bit and 16-bit classics and deep cuts. Um, it's due for a, uh, a playlist update. So, Chris, I'm going to come to you um, in the next couple Ooh. of weeks for any um, track suggestions um, for that. I love before. track suggestions. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it on. So only 8-bit and 16-bit music there. Um, that's been going for, I guess, a couple of years now. Um, so check that out. Since uh, the 90s, at least. What's that? It says since the 80s, at least. Just like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, what else we got? Oh, our disc, we have a Discord server. Um, go to uh, rhythmandpixels.com. We have a link right up there if you want to say hi to us there and, and connect with some other listeners. Um, that's always super cool. And if you want to support the show, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com slash merch. And from now until the end of the year, and probably for a little, just a little while after that, if you use offer code PIXELS, P-I-X-E-L-S, you get 15% off your next t-shirt purchase. Um, another way to support the show is through Patreon, patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. Um, as a member, you get access to a weekly prequel episode of me and Pranel catching up on the news of the day or of the week or whatever. Um, just goofing off and, and we got some special stuff this week. We did some really goofy stuff for another show that I think you'll enjoy. Um, we also get, you also get access to a monthly live streamed episode where me and Pernell record a show live in front of our Patreon audience. So you kind of get in on the, uh, on the site gags, the physical humor, and we kind of joke around with you in the audience and play games. The pure gooberdom. It's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing those every month. It's usually at the end of every month. So, and that's for all levels of our Patreon. You can just sign up and, and dig right in. Uh, we also like to thank uh, uh, the top tier level members of our Patreon, which is uh, at the end of every episode. Frankly Zappa, that Nick Walker, Mike Myers, Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy, Mats Holmquist, Michael Jennings, Davey Cakes, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Sonic Medley, Taco, Harold Howard, Dave Taylor, Reinhardt Zelkova, Andreas Milberg, Dan Loughton, I said his name correctly this time. Yes! Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Senstrom, Bobby Arson from 1UP Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, which is a Asian cinema and Kung Fu uh, movie podcast, Michael Bridgewater from the excellent, one of the best podcasts, the Forever Sound Version show, and Brian Pitt. So thank you all so so much for your continued support of our little program that we do every week good thank seeing you for being there. wonderful awesome genuinely cool individuals that's right pep cats and cool kittens our uh, our live show for this month is going to be at the uh, either at the very end of the this month which will be at the very end of this year or the beginning of the of, of 2021 did we pick a topic wow no but i mean it's it, i don't know man if we <laughs> do it on new year's eve <laughs> if we actually do the show on New Year's Eve, it's not like we're going anywhere. Um, That's pretty much the case. Yeah, it could be um, it could be music to drink to or something. I don't know, something silly. <laughs> How about this? Let's let's hammer them both out and based it. We'll just it could be a combo depending on what we get tracks from. It could be music to drink to, whether celebratory or otherwise. Yeah, right. <laughs> or winter, your choice. Or, or or fire dumpster fires, you know. <laughs> how, you, how you feel about the rest of this past year? You know, I'm feeling feeling hopeful for next year. I'm getting getting a little more hope back, but yeah, same. 
Um, anyway, thanks for listening to me rattle on for a little while. Um, I want to thank our guest, Chris, again for coming on our show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. And the name of the show is Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Purnell. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. And remember, folks, video games are a pretty booming industry, which means that advertisements are always through the roof, hitting you in the face with the big, big hits of 2020, 2019, blah, blah, freaking blah. And what that typically is a meaning is that you are generally just waylaid with what is intended for you to play to move the big sales of the season. And while there's nothing wrong with that, because I myself play a ton of big wonder hits, there's something to be said about digging a little deep into the carts, or these days, the data, and coming across the not-too-well-spoken-of games. The ones where they're just kind of being made by a guy or five, and they just want you to try their product. Maybe some the Nintendo eShop, or the Xbox Live Store, or the, e- or the PSN Store, or even on your mobile. But the point is, dig a little deep. Come across some of these odd little wonder games. Because I can tell you, there's something especially satisfying. It's great to come across a game that you read about in a magazine, or that was pushed on TV. But there's something special about finding a game that was not presented to you in any way. And coming away from it loving it like just being enamored with it and then it's even better to share it with your friends this cool trove this magical title you just stumbled across that you now have to tell all your friends about but you won't be able to discover stuff quite like that unless you start digging a little deeper dig beyond the veil and see what you can find it's awesome